You might as well just walk up to Cupid while he's on his lunch break, you know, cranking a beat or something, and yeah. right in the face, punch a little baby right in. <laughs> we'll see that. We're almost uh, three minutes into our sports podcast, and yet to bring up not one sport. Roll All right, welcome in a little late week bonus episode of the Hot Grits Podcast for you. I'm Travis Chadon. Uh, you're getting this episode on a Friday, um, and it's a special segment that I did with Carl Demasi. You guys know Carl. Obviously, I went on um, his prep sports report pigskin preview show, um, and it's just basically previewing every week all the high school football action. Um, this is a special week in high school football because it's the last week of the regular season and there are a lot of different things on the line for teams, for coaches, for players trying to reach certain milestones. So Carl and I chop it up pretty good. Um, I gave you guys most of the episode here that you're about to hear, but if you do want to listen to the entirety of the episode, I would urge you to go to Carl Demasi Sports Report on Facebook or Carl Demasi Sports on YouTube or PrepSportsReport.com. Obviously, you can find all of this stuff on Coach's Corner's Facebook page. They're our title sponsor at 3016 East Victory Drive, www.coaches.net. Uh, if you want to call ahead your order, it's 912-352-2933. Um, I'm going to take a moment quickly to shout out our other uh, sponsors here too. John Carr Realtor, the number one realtor in the world. Call him or text him today if you need help buying or selling. 912-228-0916, 912-228-0916. And then we got Sweet Potatoes Kitchen, Savannah's Best Southside Lunch Spot, 531 Stevenson Avenue, 531 Stevenson Avenue. If you want to call ahead to get a to-go lunch special, you can call at 912-352-3434, 912-352-3434, Sweet Potatoes Kitchen, on Stevenson Avenue. Also find them on Facebook. All right, and then we got PrepSportsReport.com, which we're about to hear all about as you listen to Carl Damasi and I talk high school football on the Pigskin Football Preview Show. All right, Savannah Christian over Groves, 48-8. Savannah Coach Day with the Shocker, 29-6 over your boys, okay? Country Day knocks off Adam Smashes. So, well, sorry, your brother's boys. Country Day's mm-hmm. your boys. So uh, it's the, the Jordans against the Jordans. And uh, was that pretty interesting at, the, at home when you started talking about it? Yeah, well, he knows better. Listen, when it comes to me and my younger brother, Michael, when it's our teams matched up against each other, his record is not great. And he'll be the, fir- <laughs> he'll be the first to tell you that. But, no, that, that Country Day Johnson game was interesting on multiple levels. But it, it opened up the chaos that we'll talk about later in 3-3-A, that Johnson loss um, to Country A. I will say this about that game specifically, Carl, is that the whole thing is really, really different if quarterback Malachi Bacon plays for Johnson. And so I would like to put that caveat in there. Um, The score looked like it was lopsided. Yeah, but, I mean, it was a a radical difference. And I guess that's pretty obvious when you lose your starting quarterback. Yeah, and he meant a lot to that offense. So, all right. In two-way, Windsor Forest just – 
no wins this year. Uh, they went, I think they had one win, no wins in region. They're 40, they lost 41 nothing to uh, Toombs County in 1A. Bryan County, with a big homecoming win over Savannah High, sets up a big game against Claxton for the third place in that division. So Bryan County will be going to the playoffs. St. Andrews pulls out a big one against Bulk Academy, which I don't know when the last time St. Andrews ever beat Bulk Academy in Giza or Georgia Independent Association. Uh, they won 30 to 26. And then in uh, the double-A, Southwest Georgia takes care of the uh, the uh, uh, the Roman Nomads or the Matadors, 51-6. And Buford Academy, playing for first place against Bethesda. Bethesda came close, but lost a tough one there, 30-35-30. Yeah, Bethesda can't quite put together two halves of late. Um, but it's, you know, you can either be pessimistic about the first half or extremely optimistic about the second half if you're Anton Twan Turner. But I guess, and Coach, you could speak to this. That's probably the byproduct of having a young roster. It's the flashes of greatness, but maybe not the consistency. Hey, big, tur- big turnaround from last year. They took baby steps last oh, year. Yeah. They're starting to run with the ball this year. So, uh, you know, Antoine Turner, and they start playoffs, which we'll talk about later on uh, tomorrow night. So it should be pretty excited. So, uh, And St. Andrews is doing the same thing, except for they started slow, and now yep. they're starting to pick it up. Yep, and they got a big one for Drink Academy region, region oh, yeah. championship right there. So, all right. All right, so that's quarter number one in the books. You're listening to the Prep Sports Report High School Pig, high school Pigskin Preview for uh, week number 12 with the coach called Demasi and the sports reporter, Travis Jadon. So uh, we're going to get into quarter number two, outstanding players of the week or outstanding players of the year. You want to name it, you're talking about quarterbacks. I did some research, Ty Goldrick, 1,329 yards this year, eight touchdowns, four interceptions. How about Nate Hayes at FEM County High, at FEM County High School? 1,433 yards, 12 touchdowns, and two interceptions. Then, of course, you got to talk about Jake Merklinger over at, um, at Calvary, uh, 1,348 yards, 22 touchdowns, and I think two interceptions. And then, of course, we got to go with Paulie Seely, who leads everybody as far as yards go, 1,732 yards, 22 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And don't forget about Luke Cromahawk with 1,463 yards. And he's got 14 touchdowns with two interceptions. Pretty good ratio for all these quarterbacks this year, I, I could say. Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know about those numbers from the Evingham guys, um, yeah. but that explains a lot about their turnaround for sure. Um, I think what we thought at the beginning of the year, Cromahawk, Merklinger, Seeley, in any order, they each have their own, you know, skill sets but you know when you like and I just wrote down those stats that you called out it doesn't surprise me that Polly Seeley has the most yards that would make sense for the kind of season New Hampshire's had uh whereas Merklinger has just been ultra efficient I mean imagine if Calvary would would have been down uh, you know just two or three games this year in the second half he'd probably have 40 50 60 more attempts and you can only imagine what Merklinger would do with with those numbers, but he's been really good. And then Cromenhawk is, stor- is sort of, you know, guiding a ship that's really rolling on its own in, in terms of Benedictine. But, you know, as soon as he gets hot, his stats are going to pile up quickly too. I noticed uh, Carl on Merklinger. He's got uh, a couple years ago on Prep Sports Report, we did um, Holden Gurner, uh, Barry Kleinpeter, and Javante Middleton were the three quarterbacks and we did their career stats for just Savannah quarterbacks in, in, you know, the modern era, so to speak, since 2000. 
And those were the three that we came up with. Merklinger needs 32 yards to pass Javante Middleton, and he's only a junior now. Um, in terms of passing yards, he also has 65 passing touchdowns for his career, Carl. And do you want to guess how many Kleinpeter had? 74. Gurner had 75. So he's 10 touchdowns away from those kinds of names, and he still has another season. That's what kind of career he's putting together. And he's got a lot of kids coming back, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So Yeah, it's, Calvary it's, has plenty coming back, man. And I just wish – and, I'm, you know, I'm not saying anything bad or people taking this the wrong way. I just wish St. Andrews would have put up the stats for uh, Zayden Edwards. I mean, the kid's only a sophomore. I mean, last week, another 238 yards, 13 of 26 passing. Uh, I mean, a touchdown, rush for 72 yards. I mean, Zayden Edwards could be right up there with all of them, but I don't have his uh, yearly stats or his career stats, so I'd like to see what that. Yeah, yeah, me too. And he he would be right there in the mix. Um, I would imagine that he would be somewhere like Zitrauer at Savannah Christian, maybe not as many yards, but certainly right in, in there in terms of touchdowns. Uh, but it's tough to do without the stats. It's tough to compare. All right, so who who stood out the most for you last week? And I got to think, of course, uh, Dennis Knights puts together all the stats for their uh, Savannah Morning News High School Player of the Week. The fans vote on. But I'm telling you right now, uh, I mean, uh, Zaquan Bryan had a, had a night for himself. I mean, a touchdown reception, two interceptions, uh, one for a 27-yard touchdown uh, over, uh, over Islands. But uh, I'm telling you, this kid, Nate Hayes, his father was a football coach at, uh, at, um, at Effingham County. He's also a football, college football player. I watched this kid since he's crawling – I mean, another unbelievable night, 17 to 25, 230 yards, three touchdowns, rushed for 50 yards on six carries in that win over Lakeside Evans. They're going to need him big time between the bricks, which we'll get into when we talk about uh, tonight and tomorrow night's schedule. But he, he stood out the most for me this week. Yeah, those numbers are pretty impressive. I, I mean, I think for me, I would go with either – and I would go with Zoe Smalls because he had four touchdowns for Savannah Christian – um, but you have to take into account that it was against Groves. Four touchdowns is four touchdowns, no matter what. But it was against sort of a lesser defense. So I, I think I'll go Zaquan Bryan just because he's been a little bit silent in terms of, you know, in compared to years past where he's just, you know, every week he's had crazy stats. He's been a little bit quieter this year as far as the stats go. And so for him to get two interceptions – uh, a receiving touchdown and I think a return touchdown right? Um, as well is it, putting your stamp on the game. Um, and so for me, I think I'll go Zaquan Bryan with Zoe Small's close second. I mean, Plus, I can't give it to Merklinger every week. I can't give it to Merklinger every week. <laughs> Merklinger or Cromenhawk. I mean, uh, I mean, they're just uh, typical guys. I mean, AJ Butts didn't have a bad night. I mean, he rushed for 90 yards and, I don't know. I have. I didn't go into the seven A and six A schools, but uh, Zoe Smalls. I can only find out he's the closest running back in the city to a thousand yards. Do you have anybody else? He's at nine oh six going into this last game this week. Rushing yards. Rushing yards. Yeah, he would be close. I don't. Do you know what Zion Gilliard's at um, for Richmond Hill? He might be close, but I guess he's not technically in the city. Zoe Smalls would definitely be the leading uh rush yards um and then i would think maybe someone like caleb smith at, at new hampstead might be able to do it amarion scott and samari dowdy have split enough carries at johnson where I, neither one of them will come close 
to a thousand yards. Same story at Calvary, obviously. Um, Michael Grandy, if he goes, I think he needs, he would need something close to 200 in the final week. So that's unlikely, but they're playing Groves. It's stranger things have happened. Um, so yeah, those are some I of the mean, names that pop up. And if you're listening to this and you know of a kid, hey, email me, all right, carldemasi at uh, gmail.com or carldemasi at prepsports.com or draftsjadon at Jadon Sports. Let us know if there's someone that has 1,000 yards as far as in the county of Chatham. We know Liberty County has a 1,000-yard rusher. I don't know what's up there in Effingham. So I'd love to find out that information. Uh, if there is a 1,000-yard rusher, well, we know the kid from Long County, he's over 1,000 yards. Yeah, he is. <laughs> so – but I'm telling you right now, Calvary shut him down last week, Travis. He couldn't go anywhere. That's interesting, though. I mean, a thousand yards is pretty. We usually have several people. Right. That's why I'm shocked. That's interesting. That's that's, that's that why is. I'm shocked. Sign of the times, man. Nobody wants to get down and gritty anymore. It's all about the spread offense. Well, everybody wants to sling the ball. That's what that's what it is all all right now. Everybody wants to throw the ball, throw it around, and uh, you know, it, you know. I guess three yards in a cloud of dust is not good enough. Or it was Woody Hayes, Woody Hayes four yards in a cloud of dust. I don't know which way you want to go with that. So. <laughs> well, I would, I would say defense wins championships, and, but then all you got to do is look at what Benedictine did last year. They just right, broke the scoreboard the whole time. A quick note, Lorenzo Cowan out of Jenkins, he had four tackles, three with sacks in that 24-14 win over Bradwell Institute. So uh, the bookends over there, Gatson and uh, Cowan are, are pretty special in – uh, I mean, they're going to have to be special uh, tomorrow night at Statesboro. Yeah, they're going to need those guys for sure. And, and those are two other guys, Carl, that haven't had a lot of stats this year. But all it takes is a couple seconds watching Jenkins. And yep. you can tell who those guys are right when they walk on the field. Well, you know, I, ho I hope that region starts, uh, you know, I hope that region, but I hope Jenkins, uh, with all the teams they played this year, and you can go a little further on that. I know we're talking a little bit about teams, but – I mean, how many how many top ten teams did they play this year? A lot. I mean, so they played, and look, they have six losses. I think, I right. think that's correct. Five of those have come to GHSA ranked teams, uh, and their their other loss was like week two or three against uh, Buford. I think either Buford or Bluffton, a South Carolina team, who could be a top ten team. I don't know if they're top 10 or not. So that was their sixth loss. Yeah, there's a fine line between scheduling tough and scheduling impossible. But at least one of those games, they could have won. They could have won that Wayne County game. Uh, but, you know, other than that, Benedictine and Ware County, to play both of those teams is tough. Coffee County, another top 10 team. Um, so Tony Welch didn't do his kids any favor with the schedule. But they should be well prepared. It's going to be interesting. And uh, I found another little tidbit here. Jaden Evans, the running back at FEM County, he has 876 yards going into the big championship game uh, tomorrow night between the bricks down there in uh, Glen County against Brunswick. So uh, I, I that's the closest I got is just so small. So I guess, like you said, it's all about throwing the pigskin instead of running it. And, hey, it's just another incentive to make the playoffs because those those stats are going to count. It's not like the NFL or college football. I mean, the all your all your games count. So, all right. So uh, that's inning. Oh, inning. That's quarter number two. That's. <laughs>
quarter number two in the in the books, uh, talking about the special players from last week, week 11. Now, week 12's schedule. Okay, you're listening, of course, to the Prep Sports Report High School Pigskin Preview for week 12 with the coach Carl DeMasi and the sports reporter Travis Jadon from Jadon Sports, Connects Savannah, Hot Grids Podcast, the Prep Sports Report. I don't think the guy goes to sleep. But anyway, uh, here <laughs> we go. This week's schedule, okay? T- tonight, 7 o'clock, out of Pooler, Hurricane Ian changed the date. Benedictine at New Hampshire. If New Hampshire would have won their last two games, this would have been for first place. But they dropped their last two games against Burke and Wayne County. So what do you think coming in here? What do you what do you think is going to happen tonight? Yeah, I think it's just a get-right game, a get-prepared game for both sides. Again, this game was one that we had circled when it was originally scheduled earlier in the year. But, you know, now that it's where it is, the, the region is set as far as Region 3, 4A goes. Um, New Hampshire is going to be the four seed. They're going to play at Troop County, I believe. Um, and so I think all eyes for New Hampshire will be on that. So I, I would caution people that if the final score is lopsided or hell, even if New Hampshire were to beat Benedictine, you know, there could be something else to it because I don't think either team is going to play their ones for more than a, maybe a half of football. I mean, Carl, unless there's something I'm missing, there's absolutely nothing to gain from this, right? And it's right. not like the teams is going home afterwards. Like, you know, then you could play the role of spoiler and, and lean into that. But they both have way bigger games coming the following week. And like um, you said, the, the key is uh, get out of this game without anybody getting hurt. I mean, you're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Benedictine's already the number one seed. Uh, New Hampshire will be the number four seed. Just get out without any, any injuries so you can go into the first round of play- playoffs and make it to the Sweet 16. That's your goal. So uh, I think that's what's going to be on both coaches' mind. But, you know, it's also bragging rights. I mean, New Hampshire's going to come in. Uh, they've been looking forward to this game all year. Anytime you play Benedictine, you know, it's a measuring stick. So uh, Kyle Hockman's going to have his kids ready for this game. And they're going to come in to win the game. So it should be pretty interesting how it goes. Sure. Now, if it's like 23-20 in the third quarter, uh, Danny Britt and Kyle Hockman, neither one are – good luck telling those guys that it doesn't – because once you get into it, it's going to be hard to pull back the reins, so to speak. But I, I think this game being on a Thursday helps both schools because now I would imagine Kyle Hockman on Friday night is going to be watching Troop County wherever and whenever they play. Right. And I'm sure Danny Britt and maybe not Danny himself, but the BC coaches will be somewhere Friday night checking out whatever, you know, uh, let's see, Region 4, 4A is doing to try to get an early scouting report on their first-round opponents, which is something that they're not going to have the luxury of doing, the other region. All right, so that's uh, tonight, 7 o'clock, out there at Pooler Stadium. Everything is cooler and pooler. So uh, it'll be Benedictine, the visiting team against New Hampshire. All right, tomorrow night's schedule, Colquitt County, uh, 7A, Region 1, against Richmond Hill, I mean, you're coming in against one of the best teams in the state. So uh, you're coming into the hill, though. I think Matt Lozada have his kids pumped up to, to, to look for the win t- tomorrow night. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all for this game to be close or Richmond Hill leading through one quarter, through halftime, and even into the second half. I think Colquitt County wins, Carl. But, again, like I, I, don't, I would not be shocked at all if Richmond Hill did what 99% of the state thinks they can't do because they have a habit of doing that kind of thing. Hey, Country Day wasn't supposed to win last week. <laughs> That's right. That's so right. You never, you never know. That's why we play the game. All right. And then in 6A, 
Effingham playing for a region championship against Brunswick, who still gets no respect. They're the number ninth ranked team in 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 in, in 6A, they're 9-0. Nobody's even come close. It just blows my mind. They have not lost a regular season game, Carl Brunswick, since the, since there was a worldwide pandemic. Like <laughs> The last time they lost, there was no such thing as COVID. That's how long it's been, and yet they can't get any love from the polls. I don't think Garrett Grady and the Brunswick coaching staff give a rip about the polls, but I kind of do. So, yeah, they should get a little more respect. I like Brunswick to win – pretty handily but like everything Evingham has done these last two months has shown I I think shown everyone that's watched them that they shouldn't be counted out so I'll count them out again and maybe I'll eat my words but I like Brunswick to win this game and hopefully for their sake they do a little little better in the playoffs this year than they did last year after such a great season but this is one of the biggest games in in I would think in Evingham County football history, like in recent history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say so. And if I'm John Ford, I'm telling my kids, we got nothing to lose. We're not supposed to be here. We we shouldn't have won seven games in a row. That's what everybody's saying. That's what all the naysayers are saying. So just go in there, have fun. And you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, you know, they got some great uh, athletes, uh, Wallace Evans, uh, Hayes. uh, So, you never know what the Rebels are going to do. And this could be a lot of fun to watch uh, just because, you know, Brunswick is supposed to win it from get-go, right? Yeah. And this is, if you're Ford, you just say to your team, like, look, the last seven weeks, you, everything you've done has given you this opportunity to be here because you, you shouldn't really even be here feeling these nerves or feeling this pressure or feeling this anxiety about this game. But you've earned that right. And so even for them to be in this position – um, I think is special for them. If they come out and win, though, then you know they might have to. Uh, they might have to have extra security in Springfield on Friday night. Uh, it, it's going to be a good one if they return victorious. All right. If they ever get back, yeah. If they if ever they get, get back. back. All right. So yeah. uh, Jenkins goes to Statesboro, uh, and just looking up the stats, Jenkins. Uh, sorry, Statesboro comes to Jenkins at Memorial Stadium, and uh, Statesboro comes in with the leading rusher in that region. Uh, I think his name is Lovett. He has over a thousand yards, like a thousand thirty-nine. So Jenkins, I feel, I mean, they're already locked for a fourth seed. If they win, they they'll make a three seed. I just think Jenkins has got a lot going for him. I think Tony Tony Welch and the I think the Jenkins team will come and put in four quarters, which they haven't done all year, right? Um, no, they have not. And I think for Jenkins, what they need to do is get this game to the second half within one possession as best they can. I, I, I don't want to say this like offhandedly, but Jenkins punter is an absolute weapon. When, when you combine what, what Michael Becton, I believe is his name, what, what he can do with what Jenkins's defense can do for Jenkins's sake, they should let that be their catapult to their offense against Statesboro because Statesboro's going to score, and they're going to do it a lot with Lovett, like you said. I think his name is Jordan Lovett, if I'm yes, not mistaken. Jordan Lovett. Yeah, but, it's Jordan Lovett. He looks the part. He reminds me a lot of uh, – um, this is high praise, but a lot of uh, like J.D. King used to run at Fitzgerald right. High School. Um, he, he's that kind of runner that can carry it 30 times a game. But Jenkins has seen running backs like this before and offenses like this before, 
if they can stay out of their own way, they can win this game and go into the playoffs, Carl, as a number three seed. And to me, that would be a, a wild success based on where they were at at certain points this season. Yeah, but like you said, we've been saying along, they've played five, to, five top ten teams. So it hasn't been an easy cakewalk for Jenkins all year. No, yeah, but if they – I just mean that, like, the difference between the three seed and the four seed for some teams, not that huge. Like, you're probably going to lose anyway. If you're honest with yourself as a four, like, you sh- – but that's not Jenkins. Like, if they can get a three seed, maybe face a little lesser of a team in the two seed – they could easily find themselves in the second round of the playoffs. Um, And so I think this game matters more than most three and four seed games. Yeah. And I'm going to go with you on uh, Becton. He's averaging almost 40 yards a punt. Uh, No, more than that. He's up. Sorry. I want to go with, uh, I always mess this up. Set and sticker, the uh, kicker. Okay. You want me to tell you how I pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? It, This could be wrong too, but I go side and sticker. Seidenstecker, that's it. No, you're right. It's Seidenstecker. Is that right? He's got nine touchbacks on kickoffs. That's a weapon in high school football. If you can put the ball in the end zone and the other team has to start at the 20-yard line, I mean, it's unbelievable. Also, like you said, if he goes for a 50-yard field goal and he puts it in the end zone and the other team has to start at 20-yard, I mean, that's great too. So they got a punter who can kick and they got a kicker who can kick field goals. Those are two weapons right there for him. Well, especially in the playoffs because to me it's always about those point-afters. Can, like, can you have a guy that's going to make 19 out of every 20 PATs? Because a lot of high school kickers are going to make more like 13, 14, 15 out of 20. And that can come back and bite you in the butt, you know, right. especially in close games. So they have those two things. And obviously they have a great defense. They got to get some sort of passing game going. If they do that, then they're going to be a threat. All right. So uh, we'll go to 3A. Okay. Calvary at Beach. Calvary's a lock. Savannah Country Day at Groves, Country Day is a lock, okay, unless there's a letdown, all right, and the two games that have a lot of art riding on it, Long County at Johnson at Island Stadium, and then Liberty County at Savannah Christian at Pula Stadium, so, uh, I mean, there's a lot going into those two games. Yeah, I mean, I I talked about this in the read option newsletter this past week, Carl, this this thing could go a hundred different ways, but I think I think the most likely outcome is that the first thing is Savannah Christian beats Liberty County. And so if you want to start from there and work off that, so Savannah Christian beats Liberty County and let's say Johnson beats Long County. So that's the two Savannah teams winning, right? If that happens, Savannah Christian's the two Johnson jumps Liberty into the three spot because they hold the tiebreaker then Liberty down to number four. Now, what if Savannah Christian wins, Johnson loses? (laughs) That's Long County at the four, uh, Liberty County at the three, Savannah Christian at the two. But hear this, Carl, Johnson would then drop to number six in the region. They would drop behind Country Day at that point. So Johnson theoretically could move up to three in this one week or down to six in this one week. And so it's all come down to this. I don't think they're going to have quarterback Malachi Bacon. And if they did, I would pick them to win this game because they are tough. Right. But without him, they just become so one dimensional. Um, and it's tough to win that way, especially against a pretty quality team in long County. Well, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, 
Liberty, come, Liberty County comes in with, with a, a prolific uh, passer. I forget what the kid's name is. Uh, is it I think Singleton? it's Carlos. Yeah, Carlos Kavirn Singleton. It's like K-E-V-E-R. He, he leads the region in passing. Okay. The kid has thrown for 1,761 yards. I know he's only thrown 14 uh, touchdowns, uh, seven interceptions, but he has a QB rating of like 105. I mean, uh, he's the definition of a gunslinger, too, because he doesn't sit in the pocket very long. This guy's not one of those quiet feet in the pocket. Like when I think of uh, Paulie Seeley, I just right. think of like great fundamentals in the pocket, like scanning right. the field. This guy is not that. Singleton is not that. He's going to stay. He's a lot like Castellanos was at Ware County. He's going to stay behind the line for as long as he can, but he'll throw it from every different angle. He'll throw a lot of passes he should not throw. Um, but that kind of quarterback can really, really scare opposing teams. Um, Savannah Christian's going to be ready, but he is definitely the best quarterback that they've seen this season outside of Jake Merklinger, obviously. But you see, here's the other key is, uh, you know, they have two receivers that total over 1,200 yards. You got Somerset, who's had seven touchdowns. You had Golden, who's had four touchdowns. I tell you, I watched them play uh, uh, Calvary in that first half. Those two kids and that quarterback gave Calvary a, a big scare. So there's a lot to cover there on defense. So, uh, you know, uh, Coach Walsh, the defense coordinator at Savannah Christian, he's he's got his work cut out this week, and we'll see if he's prepared him well for Friday night. Yeah, would you agree with me? Those two – Somerset is the real deal for Liberty County. Oh, That's yeah, a good definitely. point. Would you agree with me that those two receivers are more catch and break tackle as opposed to, like, straight line deep threats? Like, they – they're pretty shifty. It feels like to me. And so I think the, the number one defense to stop that would be what's a defense that's really sound at keeping you in front and tackling. Yes. It's all cut down to tackling. And that to me is Savannah Christian. That's how they stayed in the game with Calvary. Like all those receivers right. mm -hmm. got theirs, but, but then you make the tackle when they're in front of you. That's what Savannah yeah. Christian's going to have to do. And I, I think they'll be able to do that. Um, but you're right. It like, Liberty County has quietly in the first year without coach Warner has put together a really, really good season. It could become a great season if they win on Friday night, Savannah Christian would by far be the best three seed in the state. If, yep. if they end up as a three seed. And the word you're looking for, you're looking for yak. Yak. Yards, That's after, yard, catch. yards after catch. And those two kids can do it too. I mean, they, they both can do it. I mean, they're both averaging almost 70 yards a game. And how much of that is after they make the catch? But they also are deep threats too. So that's the scary part about it. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I really like Savannah Christian in, the, oh, so in this I. matchup. Just because their front is so – I don't think Savannah Christian's going to have to really like blitz. They're going to do – they're going to let their three guys led by Elijah Griffin on the line. But they also don't want to blitz because they don't want Singleton – they prefer him to stay in the pocket. And oh, yeah. So it's going to be one of those kind of games where, where you know, hopefully some of those uh, Savannah Christian defensive backs can make some plays because Singleton's going to throw it. He's, go he's going to throw it whether they're open or not. And if he's going to run it on third down, if you don't give him anything, he's going to run it. So you better have a spy, someone that can run with that kid, too. So, no, no, I think Savannah Christian is the better team. There's no doubt about it. Uh, watching them play against Calvary Day, both teams play against Calvary Day. Uh, in the second half, there was no comparison with Calvary Day and Liberty County. Uh, in the first half, they gave Calvary Day a scare. But when Calvary and Savannah Christian were toe-to-toe, -to -toe, it's going to be pretty interesting. And I think Savannah Christian, like I said, 
has a pretty pretty good defensive uh, backfield. So uh, yeah. they're going to have their work cut out. It's not going to be an easy one, but it should be interesting. But I, I think I think they won by at least two or three scores. Yeah, so do I. And look, Savannah Christian's good everywhere. They average 45.5 points, Carl, and yeah. they only allow nine points. Yeah, yeah. I know we go over those numbers every week, but I got to say that out loud just so I remember that those are real numbers. <laughs> 45 <laughs> scored, nine allowed. That's crazy. Right. All right. So uh, Bryan County has to go to the Pecan Grove. This is the last Friday night. They will be playing in that 76-year-old stadium. They will not be playing any more high school football in the Pecan Grove. That was announced yesterday. It was in the Georgia High School Daily newspaper newsletter, or just like you do with your newsletter. Uh, yeah. They're still play flag football and soccer there, but no more football games there. And you know, you know the crowd, the, the community come. That that stadium is unique. That is that is by far Southern Americana football. Yeah, I did not know that. I can't believe that it was just now announced that this was yep. going to be the last. Yep, it was it's not like I would have made the trip up there. I wouldn't have made the trip up there. I'll be honest, but hmm, it would have been. been yeah, I, that place. That place. I've never seen a game there, Carl. But I've played basketball at Claxton, played baseball at Claxton. As you know, I was an honorable mention all region basketball player in high school. Five point three. That's why you didn't get over the game. football field. You like to stay in the gym. They didn't, the basketball coaches wouldn't let me get on the football field. They couldn't afford to lose me. That was what they said. Um, but that, yeah, that is, that's probably the number one thing in this area that I think about high school football venue. I'm trying to think of what would be, what would even be second behind that nothing. as far as South, South Georgia goes, at least. Well, um, not Wayne County, Ware County plays in that old minor league ball field. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the uh, poor man's Memorial stadium. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, so, and then what's the one? Is Pierce County? Pierce County plays at their school. Plays on campus. Yeah. Um, ECI's was another one. Emanuel County was the other one that I was thinking of. Now that place back in the early 2010s used to be crazy. Okay. Tombs County plays in the pit. You know, there's so Tombs County in the pit. Yeah, that's right. But Claxton is. It, I mean, it's it's just. I mean, old school Southern football. In the homestands, there are six pecan um, trees that grow that that have grown through the the, the bleachers. I mean, it, it's just I've been there four or five times because my boys have played there. It's just unique, and uh, I mean, but you know what? Uh, Claxton's been pretty good this year. They got, uh, but Redskins don't count out Bryan County. I mean, they've been a surprise all year. So, the winner is the three seed. The, the winner is the, is the four seed, seed, no matter what. No matter what. Um, Huh. I guess I would have liked to see like common opponents, how they did against other opponents. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think you'd have to pick Claxton given that environment and given that it's the last game ever there. That's a tough thing to walk into if you're uh Sherrard Freeman and the Redskins. I mean, you know, the, the whole, the whole community is going to be there. It's a block from the school. The team walks down the field. Now that's a true, uh, that would be a true Claxton tiger walk. So I'll tell you right now. Let me just pull this up right now. Okay, common opponents, okay? Uh, they both played Tattnall. Uh, no, uh, Bryan County did not play Tattnall County. It was postponed. Bryan County played Wheeler County and won 42, 40-13. All right, Claxton played them, beat them 
they both played Metter. Metter beat Bryan County 30 nothing, beat uh, Claxton 42 nothing. They both played Screven. Screven beat Bryan County 19 nothing. They beat Claxton 34 to 6. And they both walloped on uh, Savannah High 41 nothing and 56 nothing. So uh, I don't know. It could be an interesting one. Common opponents, uh, Bryan County is 2 and 2. Claxton's 1 and 4. Yeah. You know what? You've swayed my opinion. I'm going, let's go Redskins. I'm going Bryan County. You can lock it in. The pick's official. <laughs> Bryan County over Claxton. Well, looking at their team stat comparison, Bryan County runs for 219 yards a game. Claxton, 162. They both don't pass for anything. Cla- uh, Bryan County, 26 yards a game. Uh, Claxton, 30 yards a game. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be a quick game by what the stats tell us. You know what I hear as a reporter when you say that? That means the clock is running, baby. Keep the clock running. (laughs) That's what we like to see. All right, let's get quickly into the uh, Georgia Independent Athletic Association. St. Andrews taking on Frederica for the region championship. Who would have thought that Kevin Persant with a team that was 0-3 would be playing for the region championship at the end of the year? Yeah, not me. I I think if you would have asked him at the beginning of the season, Carl, Persant would have told you, yeah, yeah, we'll be there. But – there probably would have been a sly grin on his face. I don't know that he would have believed they've been at this point. Like I knew they had a tough non-region schedule or, or non-conference schedule. Um, but the scores made it look like, yeah, they're a year or two away. And now they're going up against Frederica Academy with a real chance to be, to at least have a share of a number one seed. I, I think, I don't think they would get the one seed. If I, if I was reading those standings correctly, as far as the tiebreakers go, but to have the same record basically as the one seed would be well, incredible. You know, and it would help them in that. I think it's only a 10 team playoff, right. in GIAA. Right. Uh, but you know what? They'd have the same identical record in region. So the tieback breakers head to head, St. Andrews would be the region champion. Really? Freakers two and oh in region play. So that means they beat Pinewood and Bullock. St. Andrews is one and one because they lost to Pinewood and they beat Bullock. So if St. Andrews beats Frederica, it'll they both wind up with the same record. It goes to head to head. It goes to St. Andrews. But what if Pinewood wins their last game? Then they would be two and one also, right? Then we could have a coin flip, or then we could be playing a mini tiebreaker. I don't know how they do that in Georgia Independent League. <laughs> but just the fact that St. Andrews would like be in that scenario would be awesome for them. I mean, oh, they, yeah. they are not too, Carl, they're not too far removed from being like where Persant was telling us.
Five Sports Report has been delivering local sports coverage and continues to celebrate youth athletes in the Coastal Empire. PSR has daily updates on the outstanding student athletes in our area every day, always free to read. No ads, no subscriptions. Led by our guy, Carl DeMossi, PrepSportsReport.com gives fans and parents easy access to top stories and athletes in the 9-1 Deuce.